Who benefits from only having one tool that all of the information is kept in? Management, again, right? Because we're the consumers. Exactly. Jira became exactly what the people paying for it wanted it to become. And the problem is that they are the minority use case in most organizations because everybody's using it. Just recognize that starting question, why are we as leaders in the game development industry inflicting Jira upon our devs when it's actually like for them, often a really terrible experience that slows them down. We're getting in their way and we're getting in their way a lot and they're reflecting that to us. Welcome to Building Better Games, where we dive into what matters most in game development, leaders, and culture. Your hosts are Aaron Smith and Benjamin Carsage. Aaron and Ben are two veteran game industry leaders who have served a global audience of gamers and want to change how games are made. Welcome back to Building Better Games. Today, we're going to ask and hopefully answer the question, why are we inflicting Jira and other tools like it on our teams? In game dev, amongst contributors, clearly, there's a strong opinion or strong opinions about the tools we use and what they do to us and for us. Tools have become symbols of management oppression, and at the same time, we recognize the necessity of them. What the hell is going on here? There's literally a website now called IHateJira.com. I think there's actually an expletive in there that I just took out. Why is there so much frustration and anger about this? And is there a way out? We think there is, and we think we're thinking about this all wrong. And that's what we're going to talk about today. In the end, we want to help you overcome our collective obsession with these tools. If we do, it will stop you from trying to use tools to drive your teams and organizations, focus you more on value, leading to better games, and hopefully, on top of all that, build trust with those you lead. Awesome. Yeah. I want to also just hit like where this topic came from. Aaron found the website, ifinghatejira.com, and made a little post on it. And it actually got quite a bit of traction. And it got us both thinking a lot about what is the role that these tools play. And, and Jira, especially with it being so prevalent in so many studios and, and tech companies, like what is going on here? And man, we wrestled for a while with like, what is the question we're trying to ask? And we did settle on like, why is it that we do this to our people, right? And because if you go read ifinghatejira.com, Jira and Confluence are blights on humanity. We are worse off for using Jira. I managed to get our company to use a private discourse install instead of Confluence. Aaron, I think you've had some good ones as well that you've seen. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to scroll through a couple of these because I find them hilarious, but in like a depressing way. I mean, first off, we've been there, right? Like we've we've had these conversations with our teams. So none of this is surprising, but I just think it's the raw amount of emotion and vitriol that I I find humorous, um but I also, you know, appreciate the sadness, the deep the deep sadness. Yeah. What really sucks is the cheery leading and evangelism for Jira, almost like a cult by the very people who are not responsible for resolving issues. Side channeling by email slash phone with expenditure of social capital to devs in the know is quicker with our mutual wink-wink agreement to file and close the JIRA ticket to appease the higher-ups above. 
absolutely ludicrous. That's one and definitely hits home. This one I like too. Jira is middle management wear, a term I made up for software that serves the needs of middle management, or at least the needs middle management thinks it has, which comes to the same thing as long as you're selling to them. What are those needs? Metrics. Being able to see who's doing what and how quickly and what still needs to get done. Being able to make charts and graphs and summarize reports for the next higher level of management so they can say that their team is productive and their team isn't falling behind. Yeah. Wow. Couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah. If you go to this website, you just start clicking another opinion, another opinion. I think, Aaron, your insight here, the reality is that the people who really hate this tool are often those who have to work with it. And it's because it's slow. It's because it gets in the way. It's because it prevents them from doing the work that they want to do. It's because they don't want to have to try to move something in Jira and then reload the page or wait a few seconds or whatever, right? Like the developers are not upset. Like game devs and people I've worked with are not upset with in some form having to let other people know what work is happening and isn't. Yeah. But when you make that process difficult for them, then they are more upset. And I think our other realization was a lot of people in our shoes that are have been in team level leadership or middle management leadership or senior leadership at organizations, we actually don't hate JIRA nearly as much. For a lot, it's a craft unto itself. You had mentioned before we jumped on the podcast, you had mentioned the idea that knowing JIRA is a marketable skill, like so many other tools. By the way, if somebody says that they're an absolute wizard in Excel, I actually still think that that's pretty impressive. But like (laughs) JIRA is one of those tools where it has become definitional in that way, I think, amongst game producers in the sense that if you know it, it's seen as valuable, like almost regardless of the details. Like this person has Jira foo. Well, that's good. Like let's not, we don't even have to have any more conversation with that. That's obviously good that they really know how to use Jira. And uh, again, I just, I just find that to be such an ass backward way of thinking about the value of tools. And you know, coming back full circle to the one of the questions you asked earlier, which I I still feel is the most important question, or one of the most important questions here is like, who is it for? And I think we also need to understand why I, I like I feel like it's important that this tool is like one of the most hated pieces of software <laughs> I've ever seen. And also clearly one of the most popular. Yes. So there's like, how does that work? Right? Like developers hate this damn thing. They hate it. They hate using it. I feel like on a good day, my developers were neutral. My team members were neutral on Jira. They saw the necessity of it, but they never, it was never like, this is an enjoyable user experience. And you know, we, we're now in a remote world where something that allows collaboration from people in different houses or offices or whatever, like there needs to be some way for us to share information because let's say the old school ideal was you had some board in your team area, like, and you moved, you moved tickets or you updated statuses or whatever. And it was all just a physical thing that everybody could see and interact with. That's not our reality anymore. You could argue we need something like this to stay informed about each other. And the big question is, or the big the big thing I would say that is we need something like this. And what is that trying to solve? And why does that matter to us ending up delivering games? That's the counter argument, by the way. And like, I think what bugs me about this debate is the one side goes, this 
thing really sucks. It's frustrating. It's bureaucratic. It's clearly there to serve the needs of middle management. It's a dumpster fire. The dumpster fire is a common phrase that came up. I love that. So many dumpster fires. That's true too. Yeah. And the other side goes, well, hey, we have to use something. Yes. And I just, I honestly, that argument, that counter argument frustrates me Mm -hmm. because it doesn't address the needs of the people who are frustrated at all. It's a defeatist counter argument in the sense that it's like, well, if you got a better idea for how we're going to get all this data and, and I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, this is us. The problem is us. Right. And I'm comfortable saying that. And that was actually, I think, what made that post so controversial. Yeah. Is I actually came forward and I said, this is a sickness of leadership. Yes. That we lean so heavily into these tools. And Ben made a statement. Let me see. It was, I think the dirty little secret is Jira is the tool that we wanted all along. Exactly. And, and, but again, we is leadership. Yes. It's, it is middle management. It is team leadership. That is the tool we wanted. Yes. So you out there as a leader in game dev and us here, like we, we are the problem in this case, because we were commenting on this before. I can tell you, Hey, you should, you know, not use Jira if you don't like it and all these things. But the reality is that if you're like a mid-level engineer, you just got hired to a company, what, no one's going to take you seriously. I'm not going to use our our work management system. Like, yes, you are. Yes, you are, or we'll fire you. Like, I'm not going to just get on board. Everybody uses it. This is what we do. Yeah. But as leaders, we actually do have a responsibility to our teams and to the value we're ultimately trying to d- deliver to get the process out of the way as much as possible. And if Jira is in the way, that means it must be gotten out of the way. Yeah. And so we do have a, I have a higher expectation basically for every leader out there than I do for any dev out there to move this. Man, leaders got to drive this. And back to what we were talking about, it's like one of the most common complaints. And it was so interesting to hear this stuff and read this stuff again, because it reminded me of when I was running development teams um, and when I ran development teams that using the tool from the developer's perspective, it was really slow. It was painfully mm-hmm. slow. Like mm-hmm. actually, it's it's one of the hallmarks, I feel like, of this particular suite of software is, and, and again, there are all kinds of technical reasons why that's, that's the case. Um, I'm not saying they're excusable, but I get it. What I find, again, fascinating is that you have enough people out there complaining about this to say that this is like an objectively poor developer experience. Mm-hmm. And so this is an objectively poor, it's like how much goodwill are, are we willing to cash in there? Like how many developer hours of frustration as they try to like move tickets across and like, like, I don't even want to know like what would be like the collective hours of delay right. from like this crappy, poor user experience software. And, and by the way, I'm not beating up on Jira because I actually think Jira does some things incredibly well very, very well, better than anything else out there. And that's the point. Yes. It's we need to look at what Jira doesn't do well and what Jira does do well, because therein lies the secret to who's actually benefiting and who's not. And that's, that's the point I'm trying to make. 
I think that this is the wake up call I'm getting is again, being reminded how many developers just find this experience frustrating and think about like all the reasons I ever liked Jira. I, I overall, I'm not a big fan of project management tools in general, but there were things I really liked about Jira. But when I think about the things I liked about Jira, I'm like automated charting dashboards, like basically all the methods by which you take large amounts of information and boil them up into something digestible right. for leaders. Those were all my favorite parts of Jira. And then the other thing I mentioned to Ben is the pervasiveness of it. Like you can install the Atlassian software suite to manage all of your needs. I would argue not well, but you can install the Atlassian suite to manage everything in your organization from almost top to bottom. It's a catch-all solution yes, around work management and all yeah documentation and everything documentation yeah. exactly and again who benefits from that who benefits from only having one tool that all of the information is kept in management again yes right because we're the consumers of that stuff exactly jira became exactly what the people paying for it wanted it to become and the problem is that they are the minority use case in most organizations because everybody's using it. And some subset of leaders and managers are trying to figure out the more advanced tools and set things aside. And, you know, I created a dashboard over here and I created that over there. And I'm not going to say that none of those were ever useful, but it just recognize that starting question, why are you, why are we as leaders in the game development industry inflicting Jira and other tools like it, you know, I, we were picking on Jira a lot, but really like when we say Jira, we mean the, all the sets of work management and all those systems that are out there. Why are we inflicting these upon our devs when it's actually like for them, often a really terrible experience that slows them down from doing the thing that we don't do and they do, which is produce actual stuff that becomes value for our product. Like we're getting in their way and we're getting in their way a lot. And they're reflecting that to us. And I think we're like, yeah, yeah, I get it. But like, what can I do? Or, well, that's just the way it is. Jira is just the way it is. And that, like, that's the part I never, I never bought. Like that always killed me because actually I was commenting to you right before this. I had multiple projects in an organization that did use Jira where I didn't use Jira as my primary system for tracking how things were going and where things were at. And often when I did use Jira, I used it in a very lightweight way. I kind of just used like the board functionality and I did a lot of number crunching and other things in Excel because, you know, you could say like, well, Ben, if you'd been better at Jira, you could have done it. And I was like, no, I, I never liked the lack of nuance that the systemic approach provided when you just like, just use the tool and then it'll create a dashboard for you. And it was like, yeah, but then, you know, a ticket gets moved to done and back and done again and all these different things. And you have to start dealing with these sorts of weird edge cases. And, and if... If I'm, you know, running a team and I'm doing this regularly, it's not that hard for me to just keep this up to date. And then I can use my judgment to determine what's, what's done, what's not, those sorts of things off of a, off of a flow board. And yeah, like I said, some teams didn't use it at all and were highly effective actually at delivering value for the organization. Yeah. That to me is like an interesting case where it's, I had teams that delivered real value to both players and to the rest of the organization, the product, right? You could say. And didn't touch Jira at all in an organization that used Jira often. Why is it that so many organizations are insistent on its use? I feel strongly from my experience 
that and in my own preclusion, I think at certain moments as a leader, especially at scale, that I just feel better about myself and about my ability to generate results and be accountable for results when I know what's going on. Mm. And that to me feels like a big chunk of this. Mm -hmm. It's like, do I know what's going on or not? And by the way, that is, you just use the word nuance. That's nuanced as hell. What does it mean to know what's going on? Oh, because I know where all the JIRA tickets are there. Therefore I know what's going on. It's like, I can't tell you how many leaders I've run into who know exactly where the damn JIRA tickets are, but have no idea what's actually going on on their teams. So there's nuance there too. But I guess what I'm pointing out is, is like, there's a need for leaders and managers, I should say, and it's the management function that really pulls this out of us, not the leadership function. Yeah. I think when they were really leading from principle and leading from a value framework, we actually care more. We value more things like, hey, 20% or 30% of the average developer's time is spent moving tickets around in a project management software. Like I hear that and that makes me ill. Right. Like that statistic makes me ill, but that's a low number, honestly, compared to what I've seen at certain organizations. Yeah. And so the leader in me cares a lot about that and wants to push that to zero. Mm-hmm. The manager in me that goes like, I have to understand where all the things are so that I can make good decisions about whatever. Yeah. That's the one that makes me want all these pretty graphs and charts and and datas and bug counts and where, you know, how many things are in progress and like all this other shit, right? Yeah. By the way, it's worth noting that the more complicated the organization gets, the bigger or the bigger it gets, the more I feel like the manager in me needs that. Right. And the worse I think we're doing, yeah. the poorer I feel that we're performing, the more the manager in me feels like I need that. Yeah. So ironically, it becomes this like snake eating its own tail, right? Like I burden my team with so much bureaucratic shit all the time that they can't get any actual work done. And then I put, I freak out and only want to add more bureaucracy when inevitably they don't deliver. We need to plan better. We need to put more. Did you update it in Jira? I need to see where its status is. Well, why didn't you move that ticket? Hang on. You need to assign that to somebody. You can't just all this, all this stuff. And as you and I discussed earlier, it's like you get to a point where delivery is so poor where the organization functions so poorly that the only victory you can find is when a Jira ticket goes through its little like life cycle. Yes. You're like, yay, it got marked done. The ticket's closed. Clearly we must have added some value. And it's like, maybe, probably not. You know Right, I mean? right. Well, and one of the things you said is that I want to see all this information so that I can make a decision. And that's actually, to me, like best case. Yeah. The reality is that I think a lot of times we want to see the information so that we know the information. We want to see the information so that we can say we have the information because what if our boss asks us about something and we don't have a good answer and we didn't show them the chart of our velocity and how it's adjusted over time or whatever. Ultimately, this is driving us towards the conversation, I think, about value. And we're confusing knowing things for value. We're confusing being able to create a report for having value. We're, in some sense, the ability to control stuff. Like that equates to value, and it, and none of those things are actually value. Mm-hmm. Value is my team did something that 
whether it's in a prototype or in production or in a live environment, is going to make the player's experience better, like directly. It's going to improve our product in some way that causes our company to benefit and our audience to benefit and or, I guess, uh, to benefit from what we've done. And from a lean perspective, all of this is waste. This is all overhead. Yeah. And what do you do with overhead? You minimize it. But instead of minimizing it, we're constantly trying to get it to do more and more things for us. And we're doing that with the consequence falling, like the, the punishment for those decisions often ends up falling on the developers themselves while slowing down the actual real value we're supposed to be creating with our teams. You know, it's interesting. I had an old friend reach out to me and after we posted this thread and say, hey, I have a line on a really cool tool in this space. Let me know if you're interested. And I am interested, but I think the thing I keep coming back to is like, we talk about this so much. Like the, a question that pops up in my mind is, is like, how bad would it be if you just took three of these teams and you ripped away all of this project management tool stuff? You just ripped it away. No more metrics, no more data. Like you write some shit down on a spreadsheet. That's the best you got. And you do that leader. They're, your team's not implicated in that at all. They just figure stuff out. You give them the goals and they just figure stuff out and you and you were to just try that. Like how bad would that really be? Mm -hmm. Like I feel like we're terrified of that. Like to the point where we view like the question of like which tool we should use is some like fundamental discussion that we shouldn't even start development until we've answered. I'm like, but would it be so bad if you took like seven really smart people who are great at building games and just like put them in a proverbial room and like let them figure it out on their own? Like, do you have so little trust in them? Right. And I think that this is part of the point. And like, I, this is, I feel like part of why I perceive that they're so upset is because like every single little bit of this that we inflict on them more and more is like a token of how little we trust them Yeah. to do a good job and understand what's important. And that, that sucks. That like, that sucks that that's such a pervasive issue for us. Like, I hate that shit. I do it because I see the necessity of it. Well, and I think that's, that's that idea of it's overhead and you minimize it. That's what you do with it. It's not, you can never get rid of all overhead. Yeah. It just, it, we, did, we don't work that way as groups, but you minimize it. And it's, I think one of the things that happens is actually rather than looking for what is the absolute minimal solution I could have to solve the actual problems my teams are facing. Mm -hmm. It's like the reverse of throwing out the baby with the bathwater. You know, it's just like, there's got to be a phrase for it, but something like, you know, you wanted a teaspoon and you got the ocean, you know, and, and like, that's what happens when these, when these things seem to like pervade our entire existence. Yeah. Like we were like, well, we needed a little bit of management tracking software. And suddenly, you, you know, you look away for a year in an organization of a few hundred people and you look back and there's like a, an entire team dedicated just to managing your work management system. Um, and, and keeping your fields up to date and telling people what they can and can't do with it. And, you know, and, and everybody's sending out their sprint reports every, every week or whatever. And like, why, why is that actually helping us do anything, but feel better about the fact that we know some stuff we wouldn't otherwise know, because I'll be honest, 
I see it so much as a barrier to actually letting leaders do their actual job and developers collaborate with each other to produce value. One thing you've brought up many times too, presumably we dump all of this effort and we implicate our developers so deeply in these tools But of course, we get really high quality information that allows us to immediately respond to the most important issues, right? That's not been my experience. And in fact, I feel like there's almost like a crossing of the two lines where it's like you go beyond a certain point of the the overhead and the, the quality of the information degrades dramatically to the point where it's like people are spending so much time making sure that they've updated the tool and that all the things are in the right place and all the tickets are assigned to the right people. And then you get stuff like, I don't know, everybody says they're green for the next release, but you actually talk to the people and you say, how are you doing? And they're like, oh, we're absolutely screwed. Right. And it's just like, well, okay, what the hell are we investing all this time for? There's something else that happens with inside of these systems, which in this part I think is very damaging. The you start using the tool as a middleman between conversations that should be happening between people. And that just kills me. It's, it's you know, I totally understand, like documentation is a thing and, and sometimes it's important. And you, again, you want as little of it as possible, but it, some of it is important at times. Do not use a ticket in one of these systems, Jira or otherwise, to be an asynchronous conversation about what value is actually trying to be achieved if we get this thing done. Like that is an inefficient use of everybody's time. And it's really actually poor documentation as well. What you want to do is you want to go have the conversation. Hey, this is what we think the value is. This is blah, blah, blah. And then you have somebody maybe like just make a comment or something like, or throw that into whatever your system is, even if it's in Excel, like, okay, cool. This is what we were trying to achieve. And you know, the, the reality, I think this is the part that kills me too. No one ever goes back and looks at that. Once it's done, nobody cares. And so that's as long as it needs to live. That company I worked for where like on my first week, somebody was, you know, walking me through the Jira project and they're like, oh, well, this ticket just got assigned to you. Let's check that out. And I went and looked at the history of the ticket and the ticket was like over two years old and had been assigned to like 47 different individuals over the course of its life cycle throughout the organization. And it was literally just like, oh, I think that that's uh, part of the back end. Um, I think Jim handles that, assigned to Jim. It's like, oh, I think that's actually part of uh, new products with Sally. Uh, then it passed us out. And then like multiple full rotations, by the way, through all the individuals, like it would like go all the way through like 20 or 30 people and then get reassigned back to the original person. And it was, it was literally like a hot potato. It was like, no one was particularly concerned with whether the thing was actually done or important at all. It was more just like, again, manipulating, massaging and interacting with the tool itself. Yes. And probably also exonerating themselves of any, you know, responsibility or accountability. (laughs) We're holding on to everything and we're tracking it and we're seeing where every, and that the system is doing that because the system doesn't exercise good judgment. The system just tracks everything and humans exercise good judgment. And that's why humans should be in charge of how work goes through a system. And in fact, that's why, you know, we would argue self-organizing teams, teams should own their own. How is it that we track work? How is it that that moves through a system to deliver value? And again, to come back to value, I really want to I really want to talk about this because I think when we see this, often what we see is 
people disconnecting from the value time equation that we're all constantly confronted with. Like, how do I use my time well while at work to deliver maximum value to the players I'm trying to create a great game for or the audience I'm trying to create great software for or whatever? How do you do that as a leader or a developer? That's what I want to be doing. I want to be maximizing value. And these tools can create a side game that actually is only vaguely and tangentially related to value and perhaps even in a negative way. But if I get really good at the side game of Jira or Favreau or whatever and like manipulating Excel and however you've chosen to do it, then I can be winning at work even though I'm not actually delivering anything worthwhile. And that, like, that's what you want to avoid at all costs. Yet there are these people existing in your org thinking that like this is what they're trying to get good at. And by the way, I don't fault those people. They've been incentivized to that. I feel so bad for them. Uh, yeah, that's actually the, the takeaway is like, I don't, I would never want that to come off as like fire those people because they're useless. No, absolutely not. For the love of all that is holy, help those people out to either emphasize other skills that they already have or help them build skills that are actually about delivering value. So then we've talked a lot about the problems, right? Like, what is the solution? You know, so we, we believe that leaders, people like ourselves and you out there, we are the problem in this sense. Like, we are the ones that have afflicted Jira and other tools upon our devs, and they have many impacts. It's not just us as individuals. It's the culture that connects yeah. us as leaders and managers and, frankly, the people that we're accountable to as well. There's a leadership, a management culture aspect to this where it's like, I don't want to turn around and tell you all as individual producers or individual team leads, well, just take your team off Jira. That's done. That's done. Forget that. Like you may be in an organization where that's not an option, right? Where like Jira is mandated and, and we recognize that. So one of the things I think that we like to advocate for here, create a time box for the nuclear option. Like can you get the other managers or leaders in your accountability chain um, on the same page about, hey, let's try this for a month. What would it look like if we stopped using Jira or we minimized our implementation or our, our interface with Jira or we stopped having meetings except one-on-ones or whatever it is? Just try to like almost take an experimental time period to gut and rip that overhead and see what the world looks like after a month of trying that. Because even if the takeaway is like, whoa, we actually did need a lot of those meetings, or oh, actually Jira is super helpful, you will at least know which parts were helpful and which parts were not, and which parts were just pure overhead. So run those experiments. And in fact, especially in, in organizations that have already gone down the bureaucratic path quite a bit, and if you're already feeling powerless, challenge that and take the responsibility as a leader to just look for any opportunity you can find to run experiments like that. Because if you can run a couple of those experiments and you can even shave off 10%, 20%, the scaled impact of that is immeasurably valuable for your teams. Like every percentage point of overhead you take off your team's plate goes directly to the bottom line of them adding value or having better quality of life or feeling like they trust you more as a leader because this person's actually seems to care about us and is helping us out like that matters so much prioritize that i wrote it out as the six-step process for this right as a if you're a team lead 
or a, a, a producer or whatever, find a part of your process that isn't adding value, whether it's a meeting, whether it's a report, whatever. And, and again, remember value is like, ultimately that, that is player value in the case of the video game industry, right? Like we're, that's what we're talking about. This is going to be player value. Find something that isn't adding value or that you're a part of that you don't add value to, right? So it's not useful for you to be participating in it. Then inform the right people if necessary that you'd like to run an experiment, that that process isn't helpful. You don't see how it's helpful. Maybe they want to talk about it. Maybe they don't, whatever. But just say like, hey, can we run an experiment? And then temporarily stop participating in or running that part of the process. Just stop. Watch what happens. Like do it for a few weeks. Give it give it three, four weeks. And then either permanently remove, adjust, or return to said process, right? If you pulled it out and you discovered, oh my gosh, everything started falling apart while wow, that did actually really matter, then like bring it back in. Good to know. There's a couple things there to keep an eye on on that step, by the way, that I think are super important is one of the things that Ben's getting at too is you're going to get some kind of a response, yeah, right? From the organization, whatever that is. And keep in mind that who responses come from is just as important as what type of response you get. So if the team's like, yeah, and they're like waving flags and they're super excited and they're like, we're getting so much work done. This is great. This is the best thing that ever happened. But senior management's like, hmm, like that might be a data point, right? Or if it's the opposite, if the team's like really frustrated and senior management's like, ah, oh, this is great. That's a data point too. So like also keep in mind like who you're trying to benefit here and who's responding and how, right? As you observe. Yeah. And then once you go through those five steps, right? Find a part of your process that's in value, inform the right people, and tell, let them know you want to run an experiment. Temporarily stop the process uh, that you think is not value. Observe, and then permanently remove, adjust, or return to said process. Step six is repeat those. Repeat those over and over and over with anything. And, and this kind of, you know, there's a question that we've mentioned a lot. And when we've done training, I think it's been on the podcast a few times, asking the question, what's the value? What's the value of this? And you know, anytime we would get into a debate about some particular part of the process, it, I would always come back to like, well, what is it that we're trying to get out of this? And by the way, if you do get somebody, and you and I have both done this successfully, who is senior to you, and you say, I'm going to remove this part of the process. And they're like, wait a minute, don't do that. You, that'll be bad. I don't want you to do that because I'll, I'll lose something. And I'm, we will go to them and we'll say, what are you losing? Like, I want to know what you're losing and how you use it. Yeah. Because I might have a better way, a faster way, a more efficient way of providing you that information that's less taxing to my team. I love what you just said there. On that note, measuring something there is, this is actually a good time for you as a leader to come in and measure, right? Like, so we're so obsessed with measuring with these tools and everything, a lot of crap that it doesn't actually add value. Here's something you can measure right now that will add value. Go to your team have them explain to you what they spend all of their time on every day. Yep. And let's say back to Ben's point that this particular thing that you suspect is not super value adding takes up a total of 15% of their time. Like that's a number you can bring back to that executive or that VP or that director or whoever and say, hey, yes, I understand that you feel like you're going to lose something here. Is the thing that you feel like you're going to lose worth a flatline 15% cost to all the development teams. 
or all the members of those, like confront them with the cost because yes. that that's, I think, often what we don't do and why we freak out about all the things we're losing. Because it's in a vacuum, of course, it just sucks to lose anything, right? Yes. But if you're like, hey, you're going to lose this thing. And by the way, that thing is causing you, you know, 170 grand of burn rate every month. Now I'm thinking differently, right? So yes. keep that in mind too. That's a very yes. valuable tool to use when when negotiating those things. Yeah, I love I love that. I love that. Human beings are more we're more risk averse than we are gain happy. And so you have to show someone the other side of the coin. Like, hey, this is what it's costing you. Jira itself is value neutral. It becomes value negative as soon as it starts taking time. And it only becomes value positive if that time invested actually returns something meaningful to the organization. I think that one of the things we think is that it's free in our minds as, as managers and leaders sometimes, like we have, we tell ourselves that this is free and it's not. And so go, go watch, ask the team, how much time do you spend, you know, derping around with Jira tickets? How much time do you spend derping around moving Favro tickets or derping around in the Excel spreadsheet or in Handsoft or Asana, whatever your tool is, right? Like, I don't care what it is. How much time are you spending there? Because all of that is opportunity cost time. That's not going towards value delivery. And that should matter a lot. So that's what I would recommend for leaders. Express what the cost is. Make sure the trade-offs are actually well understood and try to remove the things that you think are adding value. Now, for senior leaders, I want to give a different bit of advice. And this is something actually someone on that thread that Aaron started on LinkedIn, Zoe, mentioned. Culture and tools interact with each other. And senior leaders are most responsible for the culture inside of the organizations they are a part of. Like it's I, actually for Aaron and I, it's like the core function of being a senior leader is creating a healthy culture and being aware of the impact of the tools that you allow to exist in your organization while you're trying to get information from the people that are levels below you hierarchically you're creating culture every time you do that. Every time you say, well, send me this report or create this thing, or well, is there some way I could see? Every time, and this was, oh my goodness, I remember my time in the military, this was so painful. It was like, it was all we ever did. We, we just created these reports and then sent them up and created the reports. And it was like full-time jobs for just so many people because people wanted to know stuff all the time and they didn't realize that they were actually creating culture by putting these things in place. So when you see JIRA and you see all the, information it could provide you, which by the way, is not as accurate as you think it's going to be, just warning you right now, recognize that it also brings with it a cultural impact that you need to be cognizant of and that you are responsible for. Because if your culture, if you integrate Jira into your company, or again, Hansoft, Asana, whatever, like you pick, if you integrate that into your company and your culture dives off a cliff, that's still your responsibility. You don't get to blame the tool. Yes, the tool was the catalyst for that. But the reality is you were the one that brought that tool in and you were the one that essentially allowed it to be used in such a way to corrupt the culture you had towards the filing of reports instead of the delivery of value. Yeah. It feeds itself. Yes. And it gets ever bigger and demands more. Like that, back to what we were talking about, about this being a marketable skill set. Like, how is that a marketable skill set? Yeah. Like, how is that like a thing that you do? Like I do JIRA. Like I'm a Jira guy or a Jira gal. Like I, it's not even that it's bad to know a lot about Jira. It's just that like that is indicative of a culture. 
that's indicative of a cultural orientation where I can actually make a job for myself by just being really good at this one thing. We run into this in the games industry a lot where it's like we look at some producers and we're like, if I want to be reductionist and a little bit cynical, but at the same time, honestly assess what you spend most of your time on every day, I'm like, you are mostly a pusher of issues inside of a tool mm-hmm. and a meeting scheduler. That's just not a fun job. Like, what about being a real leader? What about solving interesting problems? What about like making your team excited that you're a value additive? Like some of those on that IHateJira.com site, half of those referenced the idea or nodded to this idea of like management this being evidence that management was inherently negative value. Right. That sucks. So not only is your job not enjoyable, but the people that you work for are like, eh, do we even need this guy? Right. He kind of just does stuff in the dashboards. Like, is that, I mean, we could do without that, right? Yeah. And that's just like a terrible place to be because not least of all, because Ben and I actually believe that real leadership is a necessity. It's not just a nice to have, it's a necessity. And we want that for all of you. It's force multiplicative, right? A good leader gets more out of their team, not less. And think about that as it relates to the idea of overhead and tools and things like that. And senior leaders, by the way, think about that. You know, you create the culture and you create that culture through incentives. Have you created a company where someone's entire job could be being really good at Jira? Yeah. Or Handsoft or Sauna or Excel or whatever. Have you created that environment where you could have an entire person? Because guess what? If you create that, someone's going to go do that. And instead of actually learning how to lead, instead of actually learning how to deliver value, instead of actually interfacing with their team and understanding where they're at and solving what I would call the real problems facing game development, they're going to be like watching Atlassian tutorials to try to figure out how to add some subcomponent field that they can filter <laughs> by and like struggling through that with customer support. And if they finally get it, it's going to make almost no difference to anybody that's actually doing work, but that's going to be their job. And I, you know, be aware of the games you're creating for the people inside of your organization. And on that, conversely, if you're like, I don't know what games I'm creating, that's totally understandable. We've all been there. Like, that's a hard part of senior leadership is like, sometimes you don't even know what games you're creating. So sit down with your team and have a talk with them and be like, hey, I want you guys to tell me, how are we using these tools right now? How are, what is it like for you to interface? How much of your time do you spend in these? And then take some time to talk about your vision for what good looks like there. Yes. Like I would love to live in a world where we had like one report that took somebody 15 minutes to make for all the teams. And then like nobody had to mess with anything other than that. And we were just focused on adding value. Like say those things, express those things, infuse them with your deliberate ideal for the world you want to live in. And that will also start creating awareness around, oh crap, we're not doing that at all. We spend six hours a day writing reports. Right. And it's like, okay, and then you can talk about that, right? So like, don't just try to be wary of what you are doing. Try to also be deliberate about speaking into reality what your intentions are as a senior leader. That again comes back to this idea of like, be deliberate. So for senior leaders, be deliberate about the culture you want and what you're already creating, what you're incentivizing. 
because it may not be towards the delivery of value. It may not be towards serving your audience and the company itself. It may actually be towards a bureaucracy maintaining itself. If you discover that, make the pivots appropriate. If you are a team-level leader, a mid-level lead, like a middle manager type, take a look at the processes you're involved in. Identify which ones are not important or you don't think are important and run those experiments. Turn them off for a month. I love the question, Aaron, you always encourage the senior leaders around you to ask, which is like, are we going to make any decisions with this, right? Are, are we just collecting data to have it so we can say we have data? Like, look, the teams are moving. See, see, Jira proves it. Stuff is happening. Do we do anything with that? Does anybody make a decision? Because if no one makes a decision with that information, it's just a waste of everybody's time. If nobody's actually acting on anything that's going on, it's a waste of everybody's time. And the point you made earlier, it may actually be indicative of the fact that really what we're saying is we don't trust everybody unless if we see all these JIRA tickets moving. We don't trust you to do work on your own. And if that's your situation, compliance is a bad way to solve trust issues. Yeah, talk about creating culture, as you mentioned. That's definitely exactly. not the culture we want to create. It's one where contributors are inherently untrusted. To, yes. to, to, yes. do, to do good work. Welcome to our company. We don't trust you. Make sure you fill out your report every day so we know you're actually doing something. Yeah. Ooh. So to close things out, this is our message. The tool you use is not the main problem you should be focusing on or not the main thing you should be focusing on. Our inability to stop or adjust the use of that tool is. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. It becomes a snake eating its own tail. A healthy culture is kept healthy by managers and leaders making good decisions and using good judgment, not the systems we build on top of that. Systems will always decay naturally. And honestly, as we've enumerated multiple times in this, the natural state of things is to go more towards bureaucracy over time. So keep asking how you can serve your players and improve your team and organization's ability to deliver value and also build trust with your team. They should feel like you have their back, that you care about them, that you care that they have to spend three hours a day in the project management tool. Don't just ask how you can improve the process and don't just focus on the tool. I'm going to recap what we want to be the major sort of call to action, the major takeaway for this episode. If you want to stop wasting time with tools and processes that aren't adding any value, to cut out some of the process so you can focus on what matters most, what you have to do, find the processes you may already know, the ones that aren't adding value or aren't adding enough value. Your team will tell you, by the way. <laughs> they will. Inform the right people that those processes aren't helpful and you want to run an experiment to see what happens if they don't exist. Temporarily stop said process or processes. Observe what happens. And then permanently remove, adjust, or return the said process based on, on what, what actually happened. Then you just keep repeating Tear that. it all down. And honestly, if down. you're not doing this regularly, yeah, seriously, if you're not doing this regularly, as Aaron's pointed out, as we both said, like bureaucracy replicates itself. Don't worry. You aren't going to run out of process. <laughs> every day, like in every retro, all sorts of places, there's some person who's like, I think we need a meeting for, or I think we need a blah for, or maybe we should have a report that like they're popping up all the time. We have to keep leaning ourselves down to the minimum amount of overhead we can. And this is one way to do that. Um, so we want you to stop being beholden to a process for its own sake and instead focus on delivering value and creating better games because that's what we're about here at Building Better Games. 
Thanks for listening to Building Better Games with Aaron and Ben. If you have comments, questions, or would like to work with Ben and Aaron, shoot an email to info at valarinconsulting.com. That's info at V-A-L-A-R-I-N consulting.com. Please follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Valarin Inc. We'll catch you next time.